Made it yesterday, so um. Let's go. I'm, putting, I'm putting a plan B in case, just you know, in case things don't go according to plan. Hey, uh, who knows what this is? Everybody can see it. Ross, Ross got a hand up. He can see it. Yeah, walkie-talkie, walkie-talkie. Uh, believe it or not, uh, it's the most important piece of equipment. Probably one of the most important pieces of equipment a soldier may carry into battle is a walkie-talkie. Uh, when they're in the thick of battle, uh, this walkie-talkie is gold. You might think the machine gun's gold, but this walkie-talkie actually is gold for a soldier when they are in the thick of battle. Because all of a sudden, what can they do? They can have direct communication uh, with uh, back to headquarters or uh, where the supplies are coming from. They actually can talk and actually say, hey, we are right under pressure. Can you send some overhead support in? Or hang on, we're overwhelmed. Can you evacuate us out? This is gold. Uh, perhaps I'll even throw up that image there of that um, guy. There he is. He's probably telling right now, you know, send in the troops or send in the... In the, in the big artillery. It's gold. This uh, prayer, though, uh, prayer is like a walkie-talkie. It's like a walkie-talkie. It's this line of communication that we have with God. Uh, and today we're going to look at prayers. We wrap up the series here on Ephesians uh, out of spiritual warfare in chapter 6. You might think a bit of a slightly different message for Christmas, just the way things sort of worked out. Our Christmas service was last week. But uh, today we're going to wrap up our Ephesians series on spiritual warfare, and we're going to talk about prayer. So if you've got your Bibles, you know exactly where I'm going to go to if you've been with us for the last few weeks. Ephesians chapter 6, of course. I'm going to read through verses 10 through 20 again as we think about prayer as our walkie-talkie, our line of communication with God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me, opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's go back to verse 18. We'll read that through again. This is where we're going to be today. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me, opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Uh, Father, we give you thanks and praise today as we come and uh, gather around your word. We ask and pray now that Holy Spirit, you would come. And uh, let this word speak deep into our hearts, awakening within us 
uh, a renewed desire to pray. Help us to see the importance here that Paul places on this at the end of this passage here, just how critically important prayer is in, in acting this armour to work with your power coming through it. So we just ask now, just to help us to set all the Christmas shopping lists out of our minds and the turkey we've got to cook in a couple of days' time. Help us to get all those things out of our minds, I pray, and to think about this passage here as uh, we look at these last few verses in Ephesians 6. Father, we ask that now and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, we've reached our last talk here from Ephesians chapter 6. I think it's been a really timely series for us over the past uh, six or seven weeks we've been going through this. Uh, a good number of maybe haven't realised uh, that we are in a spiritual battle in life and now we've been woken to it by going through the series and perhaps we, we understand only a little bit, well, perhaps we do understand now a little better why we get into these troubling times because of spiritual warfare that we're engaged in. Perhaps also for a good number... Uh, also, it's been a timely reminder for the spiritual battle that we're in. We may now feel re-energised or refocused to go into the fight and stand our ground in the armour that God gives us. I think it's been really helpful there in uh, doing that over these last six or seven weeks. Paul has written this letter to the community of believers in Ephesus to build them up in their faith. He wrote this 2,000 years ago, thereabouts. And what Paul has done is unpacked the glories of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. Paul has unpacked the priceless and amazing blessings that God has generously poured upon us through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit works, as it were, to unveil the beauty of the gospel in our hearts. This is what Paul is doing here. In a sense, truly, we've only deserved God's judgment because of our sin towards him. But Jesus, the Son of God, takes that sin upon himself and secures our forgiveness through him. And then now we are called into this new community, this new community of believers who are trusting in Christ and are looking to him for salvation and to rejoice in these blessings together as a community. But, but this community of believers isn't airlifted, as it were, or evacuated straight to heaven once you become a believer. Sometimes we may like that, sort of remove me now, Lord, but that's not what happens. We're not airlifted immediately. No, we remain on earth to carry out the mission of the gospel so that more people more people can discover who Jesus Christ is and they can discover the joy of the gospel as well. So we're here for that mission. But as we remain on earth for this mission, we're locked in a battle. We're locked in a battle against evil spiritual forces. These evil spiritual forces hate with a vengeance the King of Heaven and they work hard to keep people away from Him. That's what these forces are doing relentlessly 24-7. They hate the King of Heaven, Jesus Christ, and they are working overtime to keep people away from the Gospel. And for those who do follow Jesus, who do follow the King of Heaven, these spiritual forces will do all they can to make life as difficult for them as they possibly can. To throw any manner of challenges into their life, as it were, to keep them away or to um, make life really challenging for them as they follow the King of Heaven and Jesus Christ. So this is where we've been for the last six or seven weeks. It's a glorious thing to be in this community, but it's a community under attack. So Paul is keen here to help the Ephesians, as he writes his letter to them, to be able to stand against the enemy's wicked, deceptive schemes. Paul's trying to alert them to that and to give them this armour that God gives 
to stand against, and not only to stand, but in this stand to grow in maturity in the gospel, to grow in maturity as we are as followers of Jesus Christ, and to grow in the joy of knowing him and overcoming in this battle. Figuratively speaking, we put on six pieces of armour uh, through this series. We stand with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the gospel shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That's what Paul's been sort of putting on to us over these last six weeks or so in Ephesians 6. So here we are as a soldier in Paul's mind, kitted up, ready to engage in warfare. That's the, that's the sort of the picture that Paul's giving us here. And now Paul asks us to pray. Here we are, kitted up as a soldier. Get this picture in your mind, perhaps. It may look something like this. Just imagine two armies facing off against each other on the battlefield. There are soldiers there who are standing in unison with their armour fastened and carefully in place. Shields are gleaming in the sun and their helmets are firmly fixed. As they look at each other, their hearts are pounding within them as they face the battle about to come. Their muscles are primed and ready. Their eyes are intently focused, looking forward to the battle that is about to begin. One army, though, in unity, pulls out their swords. And then they go down on their knees and they pray. That's the picture that Paul's giving to us of an army ready and primed for battle, but now... To pray. Now to pray. And this is precisely where Paul is calling us to. If we are to succeed in this spiritual battle, the armour alone will not suffice. You can be fully kitted up, but if you need to succeed in this battle, it will not be the armour alone. That's what Paul's telling us here. We also need to be vitally connected with God through prayer. Through prayer. Prayer is God's walkie-talkie in the battle of life. It's the line of communication that we have. Prayer is the engaging of God's power to enable us to overcome in the battles that we will face, the spiritual battles. Prayer is the power that God grants so that all the armour that comes together will work in harmony to stand against the enemy. Prayer, as it were, puts this armour into uh, action. Perhaps it might help to define here what prayer is. Some of you are saying, yeah, I know exactly what it is. Prayer is simply speaking to God. No question about that. Totally agreed there. That's what prayer is. But when we're praying, this is what we are doing. What we're doing is this. We are acknowledging when we pray that we are weak and that we are powerless. And that many things are outside of our control. That's what's happening when we pray. That's the reason why we're praying. We're acknowledging that we're weak and we're powerless. When I'm praying, I'm calling on God to intervene in a circumstance that's beyond my control in life. That's the very reason we are calling out. It could be things like this. God, please save my unsaved son or daughter. God, please give me strength to get through this difficult relationship. God, please give me the grace to bear up under this new challenging situation that I'm in. They're all sort of situations outside of our control And prayer is just acknowledging that and saying, God, I need your help in this situation. That helps us there to understand what prayer is or gives us some sort of definition of why we pray. Something's out of our control. So what does Paul say here about prayer as he wraps up on these last couple of verses here as we think about spiritual armour and prayer? 
Four points of prayer Paul actually has uh, here in verse 18. He has this encompassing word, all, and he uses it like four times. And each time it's linked to prayer. And I believe vitally so when it comes to spiritual warfare. Let's look at verse 18 again. Look at this word, all. Praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. He repeats that word like four times. He's trying to tell us something there. Let's look at what these alls are all about. Not the halls, but the alls. What the alls are all about here as Paul says this. He says, verse 1, praying at all times in the Spirit. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Here is God's grace for us that Paul's unpacking for us right off the get-go. He gives us his Spirit to urge us to pray at all times. He gives us his spirit to urge us to pray at all times. God's empowering presence is working within us. The very spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is working within us to pray. Sometimes we just don't know what to pray. Sometimes some situations just seem so overwhelming for us and so difficult for us, we are lost for words. Some things are so tough that sometimes all we can do is inwardly groan depending on the depth of what we're facing. It's like I can't even put words to the pain or the challenge I'm going through. It's like a, it's like a groan that comes within us. We're going to believe here in this sense that the Spirit is working even through those groans, as it were, in those intense times of challenge as prayer. We're not uttering uh, sort of, you know, communicable words, but just these groans are just something that are going up before God in what I'm facing and the challenge I'm going through. This is what the Spirit does. This is Spirit-empowered prayer. The Holy Spirit also is urging us to pray at all times. All times. Yeah, sometimes it seems a little easier to pray when things are going pear-shaped. We seem to very quickly want to resort to prayer then. When the spiritual battle is just crushing us and we're feeling compressed from every side, we just want to cry out to to the Lord and say, rescue me from this situation. It's like when then it's a bit easier to pray to some extent. But what happens then, though, when the waters, as it were, smooth out and the storm is calmed? Sometimes then we just fall off the radar with prayer, don't we? When the storm is calmed and the waters are smoothed out, it's amazing how quickly we can just fall away from prayer. Just goes. No. In our spiritual warfare, we must be locked into prayer for the long haul. Paul's saying pray at all times. We've got to pray when the sun is shining and we've got to pray when the storm clouds are beckoning upon us. All times. We've got to have a ready attitude for prayer at all times. That doesn't mean that we're going to be 24-7 praying, but it's an attitude of being willing to go to prayer at any tick of the clock. Hezekiah is... Oh, not Hezekiah. Nehemiah was a great one for that. He just just was serving um, uh, in a foreign country and he was... Um, uh, the king asked him, what's, uh, what's troubling in Nehemiah? And he just straight out shot, shot like, it, like it was an arrow prayer. Just an instant. Just three or four words. Ready for prayer at any time. Hezekiah was a king who came much later on. Well, before, sorry, before Nehemiah. So we've got, to spra- we've got to pray in the spirit at all times. Next one that Paul says there is all prayer and supplication. 
all prayer and supplication. Next, uh, Paul talks about here is this prayer and supplication together. Paul is calling us to all types of prayer, all types of prayer with humble earnestness before the Lord. In the heat of the battle, Paul's calling us to plead with that raw emotion and cries of help when it is intensely difficult and the pain feels at its worst and its highest. Sometimes when the spiritual battle is weakening, Paul wants us to pray with relief and thankfulness for God's mercies that have come in and sustained us through the battle. Perhaps as the battle's coming off the peak and going down. And when we're in between the battles, Paul again would say, humbly pray that God will not let ourselves fall into complacency and let prayer slip off the radar. Praying all types of prayer. And there are many and varied ways we can pray. It's not necessarily just perhaps a corporate prayer from the front or a a personal prayer at home. Some people can sing their prayers. You could have many and varied ways of praying. Paul's saying all types of prayer are involved here when it comes to spiritual warfare, whatever may be required at the time. Another one there, Paul says, is alert with all perseverance. Another all. In this prayerful attitude, Paul calls us to be keeping alert with all perseverance. Be watchful and don't give up praying. Be watchful and don't give up praying. We can't afford to take our eyes off the ball at any time in spiritual warfare. The moment we do, the moment we do, the moment we just slack off a little bit, we really do open ourselves up to spiritual attack. Satan, as it were, has this uh, evil reconnaissance. If you pick up this sort of battle um, picture here, this reconnaissance at all times looking at us, looking for the slightest opportunity to launch a surprise attack upon us. Paul's saying keep alert at all times and with all perseverance. Jesus told a fantastic parable in Luke 13 about this, uh, the widower uh, coming to the unjust judge. And, and the start of that parable is that men ought always to pray and to not give up. Ought always to pray and to not give up. To pray with perseverance, remaining alert. We've got to hang in there alert at all times, praying persistently through all the seasons of life to overcome these battles that we will face. The fourth all that Paul has there in this uh, verse is praying for all the saints. Paul calls us there to pray for all fellow believers. All fellow believers. Now Paul isn't saying we don't pray for unbelievers. He's not meaning that in that passage there. But in the context of spiritual warfare, Paul is urging us to call in support for our brothers and sisters in Christ. In this intense battle... Pray for all the saints. Pray for all your brothers and sisters in Christ who are facing the same large-scale battle that you are facing. Why? Because we are family. We've been adopted into the family of God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Every person who's a believer, not only in this church, but every other Bible-believing church around Shepparton, are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm called to pray for them. I'm called to support them in prayer. A community that prays together is a community that grows strong together. I believe if a community is not praying together, it probably won't be a strong community. Paul calls us to pray for all believers, though, not just our few friends at church. Because sometimes it's easy just to pray for our few friends at church and not all believers. If the Holy Spirit brings somebody to your mind in your daily prayers, somebody you don't normally have much to do with, but that, that name just pops into your head, pray for them. 
pray for them. You don't know why the Holy Spirit may just drop their name in your mind because you don't know what they may be facing. There's been countless stories I've heard over the years where people have been woken up at strange hours of the night or in sort of random moments of the day and a name's come into their head and they've prayed for that person only to find out the next day or a week later you'll never believe what happened on Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock. I just missed a car accident. It was just so close. It's funny, huh? I just felt to pray for you at about 8 o'clock Tuesday morning. It's just amazing how that can happen sometimes. Don't ever, ever neglect those thoughts. Don't quench the Holy Spirit when, it comes to, when he prompts us to pray for other people. Paul says, pray for all the saints. Believe the Holy Spirit is leading you at that time to pray and uh, keep alert. So Paul urged us to pray always in the Spirit, in all ways, for all people. But what are we going to pray? How should our prayers be directed as we think about this, as we think about praying at all times, in all ways, for all people, in the power of the Holy Spirit, keeping alert and persevering? What are we going to pray? I think Paul gives us some really clear principles, even in this passage, on what to pray. Have a look in verses 9 and 20 with me as we see that. Paul saying, pray for me and also for me, that words may be given to me to, in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul's saying this, pray for me and also for me. And then he says, that words may be given to me as I ought to speak. So Paul's asking for prayer that the Holy Spirit would give him clarity of thought or words for sharing the gospel. Paul's saying, pray for me, pray the Holy Spirit will give me clarity of thought and words to share the gospel. And Paul also says this, that he may be able to speak boldly about the truth of the gospel as well. He says that, open my mouth boldly, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul is asking there also for courage. Boldly, help me to have the courage. Pray the Holy Spirit will give me the courage to speak up and to, clear the, and to declare the gospel where I am. So there's a, there's a couple of thoughts here that Paul's bringing. He says, please pray that I'll have clarity and please pray that I'll have courage. Help me to have a clear mind to speak as I ought to speak and help me to have courage, help me to have boldness to speak out this truth as well. What's important to see here about these prayer requests that Paul's asking is where is Paul when he asks for this prayer? Where is Paul when he asks for this prayer? We know from Ephesians that Paul is in a Roman prison chained up to a guard 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. The only thing that changes in Paul's life is the shift change of the guards. A new guard comes in, unchanged, chains up. That's the only thing changing in Paul's life at this particular time. He's not in a good place. He's in a bad place. He's locked up in a prison, chained to a guard, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we can be really sure, we can be totally sure here that Satan is working overtime in Paul's life at this moment to fill him with despair and discouragement while he's in prison. When he's chained up to a guard 24-7, Satan will be working overtime to depress him. Paul will be in spiritual warfare. I can imagine Satan whispering this into Paul's mind at that time. Is this it, Paul? Is this the best that Jesus can do for you? Just to leave you to rot in a prison. 
Is this the best Jesus can do for you, Paul? I've got to imagine Satan just whispering that into Paul's mind as he's locked in this prison, chained to a guard, thinking, is this it? Is this where I'm going to be? That's where Paul is. Not in a good place. Not in a good place. But what does he ask for in prayer? What's he asking for here in this prayer? Does he, does he ask for release from prison? He doesn't, does he? Let's see what he says here. In essence, Paul's asking, let me make Jesus look like a treasure wherever I am. Pray for me that with clear thinking and with spirit-given courage that I'll tell people about Jesus Christ, our glorious Saviour. That's foremost on Paul's mind in this really difficult place. Now, it's not wrong to pray for comfort and release. And I'm sure there were many believers around uh, the Roman world at that time praying for Paul's release. It's a good thing to do when people are in difficult positions or even in prisons. Uh, there's one guy I know about, Richard Wormbrand, who was a, uh, a pastor in a Romanian prison right back in the um, 40s and 50s. And for 14 years, he was unjustly kept in prison. And prayer for him, I no doubt, was to be, to, was to be released from prison during that time. That's okay. That's good. We should be praying for that. But that same pastor, Richard Wormbrand, as I read some stuff, and we actually got a book of his at home, one of his main prayer requests while he was in prison at this time, which is a really bad place, he says, pray for me that I'll be strong and courageous in the gospel and pray for me that I'll have clarity and wisdom to actually share the gospel with my captors. So there's principles here that we can see in this on how we can pray for other people. It doesn't matter what conditions they may be in. It doesn't matter what they're facing. It can be simply this. Lord, help my friend to be courageous in this marriage breakdown. Help her at this time as she struggles in this immense pressure. Help her to be strong in, this, in the face of this massive challenge that she's facing. Lord, help my friend to have clarity of mind in the gospel as they face this incredibly difficult, painful time in life that her mind will be strong to hang on to her faith in Christ and she goes through this crisis. I've got a friend who's right there at that point right now. In many respects, her life has just exploded in a world of pain. And that's how I'm praying for her. I'm praying, God, please help her to be strong. Please help her to be bold in the face of this challenge. Please help her to have strength to hold on to a clear mind that will help her to hold on to the gospel in Christ at this time. I'm praying for that for her regularly. And at the same time, I'm praying for comfort and peace and I'm praying for reconciliation. There's principles here that Paul lays down for us. Clarity of thought in whatever the challenges I face. You help me be clear in my mind because sometimes pressures come into us and they just make our thinking go haywire. We can't think straight under pressure. Paul's saying, Help me to be clear. Help me to be strong as well. Because when the pressure's on, it just crushes us into weakness. Paul's saying, help me to be strong. Help me to be strong. Prayer helps. What's going to help me? Pray. Paul's very clear here, isn't he, what he's saying. These last three verses don't require much thinking to see where Paul is at. Prayer is a priority. For Paul, as we look at these last few verses, he's saying, pray at all times for all believers in all ways and keep on praying. 
That's what he's saying here in essence in these last few verses. But what's going to help us keep on praying? What's going to be the impetus or the motivation to actually keep on doing what we know we should keep on doing? Because let's face it, on one hand, praying is really easy, isn't it? It's just not difficult to say some words because that's what prayer is. You don't need a, um, a Bible college degree to learn how to pray. You can just pray. You can just speak words out. On one hand, it really is easy. But on the other hand, prayer is really hard. It's difficult. We can often start off with a bang and then we end up with a puff of smoke that just disappears away. Easy on one hand, really difficult on the other hand. That's how prayer is. What's going to keep us praying through all the seasons of life? What's going to keep us praying for clarity and courage in the gospel? What's going to keep us praying so that our lives glorify God no matter what we are facing? What's going to do that? How are we going to keep praying? Here's what we've got to see for us to keep on praying no matter what we're facing or what we're up against. It's in Hebrews chapter 4. Have a look at this with me. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast our confession of the gospel. Let us stand strong in the confession of the gospel. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that's prayer, that we may, re- that we may receive mercy uh, and find grace to help in our time of need. Without Jesus, because he's the centre of that verse, he's the centre of the whole Bible. Without Jesus, our prayers are like a ping pong ball just bouncing off the walls, going nowhere. Without Jesus, our prayers will go nowhere without him. Jesus, through his death, has brought us back to God and reconciled us so that we can pray. That's what Jesus does there. And if we really be honest, there's something within everybody at certain times that does urge us to pray. Even if you're an unbeliever, even if you're here today and you don't believe in Jesus Christ and you don't believe in God or don't even uh, desire to follow him, even the unbeliever, I think, think, will cry out in prayer. Often it will be in a harrowing situation, potentially a life or death situation. Lost in the wilderness, uh, maybe in a war zone, I think that will happen plenty of times there when somebody's about to die. A prayer or a cry will come out, Lord, I don't want to die. Even the unbeliever will cry that out. But why should God listen to those prayers of an unbeliever when that person's totally ignored God all their life? Why should God listen to those prayers? It's in Hebrews 4. Jesus. The Son of God takes on the role of a priest who presents our prayers before God. This then, as we think about that, becomes the wonder of Christmas. The wonder of Christmas. Jesus comes as this baby born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. This baby Jesus then becomes our perfect high priest to present our prayers to God. Look at what he does here, even in this passage in Hebrews chapter 4. Jesus experiences 
all of life just as we do. He's able to sympathise with us in every way because he's faced all the challenges of life that we will go through. Jesus is the perfect high priest. He knows exactly what we're going through. He knows the challenges of life. This same Jesus then lays down his life at the cross to pay the price of our sins to reconnect us back to God, to reconcile us, to make us right once again. And in so doing, he becomes now our faithful high priest who presents our prayers to God and says there in verse 16, so that now with confidence, with confidence, it's a powerful word, with confidence, with total confidence, we can approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace in our time of need. This is what Jesus has done. He's made a way possible for us to come confidently before the sovereign Lord of the universe, the one who holds omnipotent power, all power, confidently to come before the throne of mercy and grace to receive that mercy and grace in our time of need. So the confident approach that we have is the approach of prayer through Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. So what enables me to pray? It's Jesus Christ, my faithful high priest, who dies and rises again to reconnect me back to God. That enables me to pray. And do you know what keeps me praying? It's continually looking to Jesus Christ as this faithful high priest and believing the promises I see here in Hebrews 4. I read that and it renews me in my prayer. It renews me in my desire and motivation to pray because I can confidently approach the throne of grace and mercy. And you want to know what else keeps me praying? Prayer works. Prayer works. It has never, ever failed me. As I keep looking to Jesus and trusting in him as my Lord, as I pray in the Spirit to work in me clarity and courage in the Gospel, the Spirit works within me peace, comfort and strength and clarity of mind no matter what I'm facing. And we've all faced challenging situations. And I know some of the ones sometimes I feel as weak as a kitten. And my mind cannot think straight. Now, my wife will share with me this week. I've had, a, I've had a, a difficult week this week. I sat down to look at this passage about Tuesday or Wednesday. And I thought at the start of the week, preaching on prayer, a couple of hours will do this. Well, not a couple of hours, but you know, you just think it'll just happen. It probably took me twice as long as usual. Now, I'm thinking, what is going on here? This should be just, you know, way easier than this. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm sure there was some sort of spiritual attack happening through that. You just sit there and the thoughts aren't flowing. You sort of sit there and look at the clock and, gee, the last two hours, that's all I've got. And I'm praying and I'm feeling weak. There was, there was actually some times... I nearly wanted to just curl up in a ball on the floor of the office. And I'm being legit when I said that. I felt so overwhelmed in just trying to prepare this talk. And I'm thinking the start of the week, this shouldn't be that difficult. I'll actually knock this over in a, you know, in a day and a bit. But there was times on Thursday, I just wanted to just crawl up on a ball on the floor of the office, thinking, I'm just not sufficient for this. I'm just feeling overwhelmed for this. It's just amazing how when you pray, when your mind can't think straight and you don't feel you've got the power within you, you just pray and you keep pushing forward 
And God sustains you. God sustains you. God keeps you. The more I look to Jesus, the more my faith is strengthened and the more I'm confident to pray. Now, does that mean every prayer is answered as I would like? Capital N, no. Not every prayer is answered as I would like. Sometimes I pray for healing, like I did for my dad when he was 52 and dying of cancer, and I'm only 14 years old, and my dad dies. Okay, not every prayer is answered exactly the way I would like it to be answered, but that's okay. That's okay. Because I believe that the Lord who loves me and has given his life for me will do exactly what is best for me at that time of life. So it may not be what I want, but I can trust that whatever he does in my prayers will be the best for me at that particular time. Prayer works. That keeps me praying. So where do I start with prayer? As we approach another Christmas, which has its share of gladness and sadness... And often there are many, many, many challenges around Christmas. Maybe even, maybe even today Satan is ramping up on you in all sorts of ways. This Christmas with dark times. So where do I start with prayer? I start by making a plan. And putting that plan into action by looking to Christ and making space to pray. Listen to these wise words here from John Piper that I read earlier this week. And Ali can put up that start of quote for us. Follow along if you like. Unless I'm badly mistaken, one of the main reasons so many of God's children don't have a significant life of prayer is not so much that we don't want to, but that we don't plan to. If you want to take a four-week vacation, you don't just get up one summer morning and say, hey, let's go today. You won't have anything ready. You won't know where to go. Nothing has been planned. But that is how many of us treat prayer. We get up day after day and realise that significant times of prayer should be a part of our life, but nothing's ever ready. We don't know where to go. Nothing has been planned, no time, no place, no procedure. And we all know that the opposite of planning is not a wonderful flow of deep, spontaneous experiences in prayer. The opposite of planning is the rut. If you don't plan a vacation, you'll probably stay home and watch TV. The natural, unplanned flow of spiritual life sinks to the lowest ebb of vitality. There is a race to be run and a fight to be fought. If you want renewal in your life of prayer, you must plan to see it. Therefore, my simple exhortation is this. Let us take time this very day, not tomorrow, today, to rethink our priorities and how prayer fits in. Make some new resolve. Try some new venture with God. Set a time. Set a place. Choose a portion of scripture to guide you. Don't be tyrannised by the press of busy days. We all need mid-course corrections. Make this day, make this Christmas season... Today, a day of turning to prayer for the glory of God and for the fullness of your joy.
He's right. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we put a plan in place and we pray. We set a time, we set a part of the day and we say, I'm praying. And you will not ever look back with, gee, what did I do that for? You'll look back with joy and gladness as you lock that in and you'll see the Spirit of God quicken you and empower you. Because let me tell you what's in prayer. It's a river of grace. It's a river of grace. When you engage in prayer and lock yourself in and plan for it, I'm inviting you then to jump into God's river of grace. You will not be failed in that way. This Christmas, pick up the walkie-talkie of prayer that God has given to us and know his power to stand in the battle and not only to stand, but to overcome in life. Let's pray. Father, we uh, give you thanks and we give you praise today as we come and uh, look at this final passage here in Ephesians chapter 6 in spiritual warfare. Lord, today uh, we face life in all of its complexities. Lord, we face maybe a Christmas in some ways that might be marked with much sadness, pain and challenge. God, we want to give you thanks and we want to give you praise that you come to us in the most simplest of ways by just lifting up our voice in prayer. And through that, Lord, you, as it were, just let a river of grace flow into our hearts and into our lives. Help us today, Lord. Help us today to put that plan in place. Help us today to come against Satan's tyranny of filling our days with busyness and squeezing out time to pray. Help us to put that plan in place now. God, where we can engage with you in prayer and see that grace flow into our lives so that you will be glorified and that we'll be strengthened, Father, to uh, be the people that you've called us to be. God, for today, those who perhaps have tried and tried and tried, please give them renewed strength and courage to do it again and to engage in this, I ask. God, thank you. Lord, for those who've prayed and said, I just never seem to get the answer I want, help us, Lord, to have the faith to keep on praying, to overcome uh, any potential discouragement there and to know that you are a good and sovereign Lord who answers accordingly and perfectly for our time, for our life at that time. Father, today, thank you. Thank you that we can pray. Lord, we ask that, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Ben's uh, going to come and uh, lead us around the uh, communion table now. Ben.